Luke chapter 1, verse 5 through verse 15. The heading is the birth of John the Baptist. So, let's starting in verse 5, go ahead and read. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was buried. And they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the customs of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zechariah, for your prayer is heard. And your wife Elizabeth shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you shall have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. So we see right here in verse 5, uh, there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, so obviously uh, the events here uh, of John, took place toward the end of Herod's reign. So it was during Herod's reign, but it was towards the back, the back end of Herod's reign. The, the 400 silent years is the time between Malachi and John the Baptist in which there was no recorded word of God through a prophet of God. So like my dad said, there was no prophet of God speaking, thus saith the Lord, for 400 years, which is... For a nation that basically prided themselves on the fact that they were God's chosen people and he spoke to them for 400 years, no, zero. And of course, like my dad said, that's where religion really started to kick up. <laughs> because when, when God is silent, we freak out. <laughs> And we can just, just be real. When God's not speaking, we start getting worried. And that's when we start crafting some things up, plotting and planning. And, you know, we got to do that. Well, we got to do this. And that. that's basically the idea of what man's way began to start. And I, of course it didn't. I'm just talking about the religious sex. Cain and Abel, that's where it started. Cain killed Abel. Abel offered an animal sacrifice, which is what God required. Cain offered the labor of his own hands. So Cain, see, aesthetic. the problems that we see, they don't just start with us, contrary to what the world says, basically. Some people say, well, we're... The, the Bible doesn't address today's problems. Baloney. Uh -huh. The fact that you think that we have new problems. Mm -hmm.
It's the same problems. It's the same stuff. We don't call it the same thing, but it's the same. We, we turn to law. We don't call it Judaizers, but it's the same thing. Same concept. So in this time, that's where you really start to see it. And I'll, you know, I'll have a handout for you eventually that gives you a more detail with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, kind of what they believed and how they were against each other. And there was different. There was Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, zealots. It's important to know because it really does help you understand a little bit better their thought processes and everything that they were experiencing. So this is the time period that these groups were formed. And when there's a lack of the word of God, that's when men start forming denominations, different things. The church, we don't do anything that Israel hadn't already to be honest, we, we, don't, we, have, we don't really get into anything that Israel has already experienced. Israel had Pharisees, Sadducees, all these different things. The church, we got 50,000 denominations. <laughs> and then we say, well, thank God we're not like Israel. Yeah. <laughs> Elizabeth and Zacharias were both advanced in years. They were they would have been around 70 to 80 years old when this event took place. So the birth for them was similar to uh, Sarah and Abraham. It would have been similar. They would have been well advanced in years whenever this took place. But it is not similar to Mary's. Mary's She's the only one that's ever given birth that way. And she will be the only one that will ever give birth in that way. So Elizabeth and Zacharias, though, it's more like Sarah and Abraham. They were mm -hmm. well advanced in years. She was barren. In Israel at that time, a childless house was looked on as a mark of divine displeasure. Possibly the punishment of some grave sin. Due to this, very few people viewed them as blameless. But God did. That's what we see in verse 6. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. This is how God viewed them. But because they were barren, man wouldn't have viewed them that way. A lot of times we look at characters in the Bible, and to be honest, we we just don't really think too much about the human aspect of things, and we're just like Abraham, you know, Mary, Elizabeth, and we just go through you know, all these things, and we just kind of take, we forget the human side of it. What would it be like to be a young lady, not married yet, and all of a sudden you're pregnant? What would it be like to be barren and you're almost 80 years old and you've had to go through all of that and experience all the ridicule and everything that comes with it? Because remember, they considered that basically God was angry at you. And then when we see the 
we see the backside of it and like, man, praise God, didn't it? The Lord used them in a mighty way. And we forget the preparation period and the trial that they had to endure. We just forget about it sometimes. So when we're in the middle of it, we're like, man, what the heck? <laughs> like, can you imagine what they would have experienced. And yet, See, it doesn't, just because things are tough doesn't mean God's not with you. It doesn't mean that God doesn't have a plan. It doesn't even mean he's not working it out. Gabriel was the angel that appeared to Zacharias. And we see that in verse 11. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. So Gabriel would have been this angel. In the Jewish culture, the right side of the altar meant it was truly from God. That's how they had that. They had that thought process. The right side of the altar of incense is the side of propitiation, which means that God accepts the sacrifice. Every prayer prayed in the will of God is always heard by the Lord. Every prayer prayed in the will of God is always, always, always heard by the Lord and answered. If you have confidence that you have prayed the will of God, then you have confidence that He's heard you and He's going to answer because it's His will. And we know that He wants to accomplish His will. God's timing is a part of His will. Mm -hmm. Delay does not mean denial. Elizabeth and Zacharias no doubt would have been praying for a child for years. God heard the prayer and it was his will. But he had a time with his will. He, God, all, God was never worried that they weren't going to have a child. He knew that he was going to give them a child. He knew that Zacharias and Elizabeth would have a child. But he had a timing for that will. They would have been crying out. They no doubt would have felt like that the heavens were brass and God didn't hear a word that they said about a child. But it was God's will. It was always His will for them to have a child. But it didn't happen for years. Delay is not denied. Doesn't delay doesn't mean denial. Just because it doesn't happen when you think it should happen doesn't mean it's not God's will. That's right. And it doesn't mean that. He doesn't have it for you or that he's even, he, he could be bringing it to pass right now, but it's just not when we're fast food generation. <laughs> right now. Now, 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 now. So if I pray about it and God doesn't give me the answer immediately, well, it's not his will. Well, it's not his will. Elizabeth and Zachariah prayed for years. We're the ones hurting, not God. God knew all along you're going to have a child. Every prayer that they prayed about having a child, God heard it. And He answered. He knew what He was going to do. Every prayer. Every prayer 
that they prayed. God heard every single cry in their situation and circumstance. God heard every single cry and he knew what he was going to do. He did it in their situation of barrenness. He did it in mankind's situation for needing a redeemer. Yeah. Notice that their need was intrinsically tied in to Calvary. So was Abraham and Sarah. Mm -hmm. So the promise to Abraham and Sarah to have a child, a lot of times when we teach it or read it, we focus so much on the promise of a child. And we say, well, God gave them a promise and they held on to that promise, but the promise was more about the redemption plan of God than it was just a child. A lot of times we grab a hold of things that we feel are personal promises from God. And I'm not saying that God doesn't give you personal promises. But I will say that in, from what I see, it's got to be tied to his will and his redemption plan somehow, some way. If it isn't, then it, it is possible it might just be you. And I just always go back to what Abraham, what God told Abraham. Abraham got a little discouraged. He said, Abraham, I, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward, Abraham. It's me, Abraham. I'm the real promise, Abraham. It's, I'm the real, I'm the real promise, Abraham. It's me. Like Sister Sharon was talking about, and like that song, a lot of times we get so focused on the hand of God that we really seek in his hand, not his face. Lord, I want to see you do this. Lord, do this. Do this. Lord, provide for this. Lord, I need this. And the whole time we're seeking his hand and never seeking his face. And like that song that Sam sang, I don't, I'm not, I'm not seeking blessings. I just want you. I just, I just want you, Lord. Because if I get you, I get everything. I get, if I get you, I already have everything. The problem is we don't really believe that. We just we just get real. <laughs> we don't really believe that. We really believe that it's Lord, I need you, but I also need. And a lot of times that just takes over our whole prayer life. To where every time we go before the Lord, it's more about what we need. And less about what you've already done. Lord, I need this. Lord, I need this. I, because my job is, you know, it, it, the truth is, it, it's on my mind. And when I talk to the Lord, I take it to Him. 
But when Sam was singing that song, Lord, then this was my cry of my heart, my prayer. Lord, if you don't even provide another job, I don't care. I just want you. I just want you. Lord, if you if you took ministry totally away, I, I don't care. I just want you. Because I can get all of those things and never get you. He, he just hear the cry of my heart. We can get all of these things and never get Christ. Never get the treasure. And we say, I'm blessed. But if you didn't get the treasure, you're not blessed. If you didn't get the treasure, if you didn't get Christ, you got nothing. But we get so focused on everything else. We get so focused on promises. that And, and hear me, I'm not. If you feel like the Lord's giving you a personal promise, that's between you and the Lord. But hear me out on what I'm really saying about what are you what are you really focused on? Something that you believe is a promise from God or God Himself? Abraham, Abraham, I, I, me, I am your shield and exceeding great reward, Abraham. It's not everything that either I've told you I'm going to do or Sometimes the things that we think God said He's going to do. Yeah. And when He doesn't do it, we get all messed up and like, man, I thought the Lord told me. Because you got, you got focused on the wrong thing. You got focused on the promises. And a lot of times our faith is really in our faith. As Sister Sharon said, it's our faith is really in our faith. God gave you this promise. I'm going to stand on it and grab a hold to it. I'm going to hold, I'm going to hold to it. Bless the Lord. This is what God said. This is what God said. And, and we, we go through all the things that scripture said. This is what God said. And I'm just going to, I'm going to keep believing. I can't see it. I'm going to keep believing. We take all of these things that are good and right. And, but then they get distorted because we're focused on the promise and not God. He is the promise. That's the whole idea. Abraham, I am the promise. Abraham, yes. it's me. Zechariah and Elizabeth, I hear your prayer. I'm going to give you a son. Because it's, it's my will. And your son plays a part in my redemption plan. Because it's all about the redemption plan. So even though it was his will, he had a timing, and the timing was just right. The name of Zacharias, Elizabeth, and John reveal, it's going to bring this all together. The name of Zacharias means the Lord remembers. The name of Elizabeth means the covenant of God. The Lord remembers his covenant. Glory. 
Because all along, that's what it was about. Yes. Yeah. The redemption plan. Of, a Savior is coming. Adam, Eve, you fell in the garden. Don't worry. I've got a plan. The Redeemer is coming. I'm going to send the Redeemer. I'm going to send the Redeemer. That's my plan. That's my, that's my covenant. That the Redeemer is coming. I'm going to send Him. And your sins will be washed away. You will be restored back to not just the place that you were, but even higher. The Lord remembers His covenant. And here it was, and the name John means Jehovah shows favor or grace. Glory. And John ushered in the Messiah himself. Because the Lord remembers his covenant. The Lord remembers His covenant. And it was, a Redeemer is coming. A Redeemer is coming. A Redeemer is coming. That's what it has always been about. A Redeemer is coming. Hey, if we were Jewish, we'd be weeping if they believed it. Because that's what they held on to with everything. A Redeemer is coming. That's what they were waiting on. Jesus said, Abraham saw my day. And he rejoiced. Because he said, that's, that's the covenant. That's the promise that God gave me. That's the promise. That's the promise. That's the promise. That's him. And he had a Pentecostal fit because he saw the promise. That was the promise the whole time. It wasn't my son. It was the son. Yes. Man. Jehovah. I'll give it to you again. Zacharias means the Lord remembers. Elizabeth means covenant of God. And John means Jehovah shows favor or grace. So you see, even, even God answering Elizabeth and Zechariah's prayer was all wrapped up in the covenant. It was all wrapped up it all had something to do with God's redemption plan. The promises of God all have something to do with His redemption plan. A lot of times we hold on to things that we believe are promises from God that they're really just us. Because our flesh is sometimes really good at mimicking the Lord. And I'm telling you from experience. Things that I thought was the Lord. Yeah. Oh man, the Lord told me this. And then it turned out. Yeah. It wasn't the Lord. Yeah. It was me. 
we just get focused on the wrong thing. Yeah. The promise instead of God. That really makes the scripture come alive. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Right. Instead of not, not don't seek. All the rest of these just they go they go come. It's gonna be added. They will be added, providing you seek him first. Right. What what did Brother Bob call unto me? Seek me. That's it. Seek seek me. Seek seek my face. Mm -hmm. You seek his face. If you seek his face, you're gonna find it and you'll find his hand as well. But it won't be about his hand. You'll be moving and doing things, and the whole time you're just looking, you just seeking his face. You're just looking for him. Well, I just want to sit at your feet. I don't care if you ever do anything. I just want to sit at your feet. I want to know you. That's it. That's it. I want to know you. And he takes care of the rest. He takes care of the rest. See, that's perfect. Seek ye first. What? Kingdom of heaven. Seek God. Seek God ruling and reigning on the throne of your heart. Seek that. Seek His righteousness. Seek Him. The kingdom of God is simply where Christ rules and reigns. That's the kingdom of God. Seek that. In your own heart and life, seek that the Lord would rule and reign. And in that, He'll add everything you need unto you. Right. And you won't even have to think about it. Right. When I'm seeking the Lord's face, and I just want Him, I, I find that I don't have to ask Him about things because it's already there. Right. It's already provided. I don't even have to. I don't have to ask about certain things because it's already there. On the journey, I find, oh, there it is. Oh, wow, thank you, Lord. And the whole time, I, I, I'm just looking for his face. Not his hand. I remember, I actually heard it from Brother Swagger. The Lord dealt with him about they doing their prayer meetings. And the Lord told Brother Swagger, seek my face, not my hand. Mm -hmm. Obviously at that moment they had many needs mm -hmm. when that when this would have taken place. Wasn't even sure that the ministry was even gonna make it. So you were talking about having needs, they had and the Lord said, Seek my face, not my hand. And that's why they had two prayer meetings today, seeing his faith, not his hand, his face. And from that, the message of the cross. Yes. Not interested in, Lord, what you can do for me. Lord, not interested in the Lord being a glorified butler. I just want you, like Paul would say, 
Philippians that I might, I just want to know, that I might know him. I just want to know him. I just want to know him. I could preach for the rest of my life, but if I never know him, then I've done nothing. That's real growth. Knowing him. Not just doing. Knowing him. That's real spiritual growth. The Lord can move and the New Life Worship Center can become one of the biggest five churches in the world. But if you don't know him, you got nothing. If you don't know him, if you didn't seek his face, Look, look in scripture where it said they, to Jesus, they said, but Lord, didn't we heal in your name, cast out demons in your name? He said, depart from me, I never knew you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it looked like the Lord's hand was in action. Depart from me, I never knew you. Do you know him? That's what it's all about. Sin separated us from God. We could have a relationship with Him. Christ joined us back together with God that we can have a relationship with Him now. But we get focused on His hand instead of the relationship. And we get, we we just lose our way. One more time, because it's just that good. Zacharias means the Lord remembers. Elizabeth means the covenant of God. And John means Jehovah shows favor or grace. The Lord remembered his covenant. The Lord is never going to not remember his covenant. It's good news. Because when I blow it, the Lord remembers His covenant. And I'm in the covenant through faith in Christ. When I blow it, when I bite off a big piece of stupid, the Lord remembers His covenant that He made with Christ, His Son. And I've entered in it by faith. I can't break that covenant because I didn't make that covenant. I could just enter into it. So no matter how many times you blow it, the Lord remembers His covenant. So if you repent, guess what you'll be getting? Forgiveness. Because the Lord remembers His covenant. He is so faithful. I'm sorry, I just can't go anywhere. I'm sorry. <laughs> He's never going to forget His covenant. That's what the whole redemption plan of God is about, the covenant. And He is faithful to His covenant. 
When we're not faithful, He's faithful. He will always be faithful to His covenant. Somebody say amen. He will always be faithful to His covenant. Say amen if you need His faithfulness because we're not faithful. That means He'll always be faithful to you too. If you enter into the covenant yes. through His blood, which means He's going to be faithful to you. That means no matter what we're facing, no matter what we're going through, where the seasons of trial periods where they prayed and they felt like their prayers had to be hitting a brick wall, it's not working. The Lord evidently forgotten about us, you know, but He hasn't, and He's good because He's always faithful to His covenant. When you're talking about that, I was thinking about 400 years of silence where they didn't have a word from God. And we always know that there's always a remnant. And that remnant has been faithful to seek God and to, to, to seek the Redeemer. And, and generations went by, didn't seek. They prayed all their lives, never saw. Generations and more than 400 years went by. But does that mean that their prayers weren't answered? No. Does that mean that God wasn't faithful to that generation that didn't see it? No. He was faithful. That's right. Because the promise came. And so, even though they didn't see it in their lifespan, they eventually saw it. <laughs> kind of like Abraham saw it eventually. Yeah. It just made me think about sometimes that how in our little, sometimes short periods of time where we think God's not being faithful. He's not. That's wrong thinking. Yeah. He's always faithful. He's going to be faithful. And that's where it goes back to most of the time we start looking at whether God's hand is moving or not. Right. Instead of just the Lord himself. Right. Yeah. So when we don't see his hand moving, that's when we start to feel right. the enemy takes that. Well, God's not faithful. God's going to leave you here. Right. Well, he's already faithful. Right. He's already been faithful. And you seek his face, and even if you don't see his hand, you don't, it doesn't, you don't, you don't waver because now you're living dead. Right. Yeah. You're dead in Christ. Yeah. So you're just flatlined. <laughs> well, God's not doing this. He's already been faithful. Yes, he, is. he is faithful because he's faithful to the covenant. Well, yeah, well, you've been praying about all this stuff and nothing's happened. He's still faithful to the covenant. Because, see, Christ has came, Christ has died, and my sins are washed away. I have his righteousness. I'm justified. I won't be experiencing hell. See, I say he's pretty faithful. <laughs> he's pretty faithful. Yeah, but this isn't happening. This isn't, see, that's where I say we kind of we do, and, and sometimes God does give us promises, and we, we just, we kind of gravitate to focus on God bringing the past or not, instead of just God. Mm -hmm. So we just, because that's how, it doesn't take much to, and the enemy would love for you to focus on something else. So that's so easy. But he is faithful to his covenant. He's always going to be faithful to his covenant. That's. Hey, I feel like I just came.
I can't hammer it enough, but what happens is we take faith and we separate it from the covenant. Mm-hmm. We start operating in, in faith, but not in the covenant. In other things. Either self, like, you know, kind of what they talking Faith in self. Or faith in... Honestly, it sounds a little weird, but... Faith in God honoring our faith. And we said, well, that, I have faith in God because God honors faith and I have faith in God. So because of my faith, God's going to do this. I'm sorry, your faith is in your faith. Not in. Not in the covenant. It has nothing to do with what Christ did. We get, so easily, we just get fooled by it. We, because there has been a lot of teaching on faith and it hadn't been correct teaching on faith. So... There's a lot of teachings on faith, but it's not, it's not tied to the sacrifice. If faith is separated from the sacrifice, you don't have biblical faith. It's not biblical faith, and God doesn't honor that type of faith. It's only faith attached to Calvary, only faith attached to the covenant that he honors. But if your faith is in the covenant, He's faithful. And you'll see his faithfulness like you've never seen it before. You'll see God do things like you've never seen before. He will truly show you great and mighty things. What are are some of those things? You're going to see everything that was accomplished by the cross in the new covenant. That's the great and mighty things that without the moving and operation of the Holy Spirit, you could never see it. That's right. Say it loud. I has not seen, nor has ear heard, neither has entered the heart of man, the good things which God has prepared for those who love Him. Who love Him. And we take that, we take that and we apply it to earthly things most of the time. Right. If you do that, you miss it. What what has the eye not seen nor the ear heard that God has for us? What we have in Christ has to be revealed to us by the Spirit of God. And when you see that, you say, God is faithful to his covenant. And truly, I have not seen, nor has ear heard. Hmm. And the ones who love him are the ones that see that he first loved them. See, even that's tied to. Yes. Yes. See, it takes the word of God. That's why I told you, we're going to see things in in the life of Christ, hopefully, (laughs) that when you see it through the correct lens, 
The lens of the covenant, Calvary, you go, whoa, that scripture just came to life. Mm -hmm. Yes. Instead of, a lot of times it's like, oh, that's encouraged, we've, you know, all oh, that encourages me in my current situation and circumstance, and it helps me go a little bit further. When you see something through the lens of Calvary, it's not just, oh, that helps go a little bit further. It's, woo! <laughs> I might have just got saved all over again. Because God's not interested in just getting you through another day. It's, it's not just called the another day life. <laughs> it's life more abundantly. Stuff that sticks with you. That's the meat. That's the meat of the word, exactly. <laughs> it becomes a part of you. Mm -hmm. Not just, not just, I read it. Not just that I read it. And I believe it. Pray. No, I'm talking about it's like it's like it gets a part of your DNA. It's who you are now. Yes. Love and spirit. Yeah. It's literally Christ in you. Yeah. Becomes a part of you. When I think about justification by faith, I'm not just like, yeah, I believe that justification by faith. No, I'm talking it justification. It's a part of me. When I think that I'm justified, it's not like, oh, that helps me get through today. No, dude, that helps me get every day. Yes. It's everything. Yes. Everything. The things that Christ has accomplished for us, we can't see, fathom, wrap our mind around, or understand unless the Spirit of God reveals it to us and makes it real to our heart. If not, all we have is the head knowledge, which makes us prideful and puffed up. And then we're ready to just slam everybody else. Because it's just here, not here. When it gets here. Like what my dad talked about this morning. That's the type of thing that you, you won't be able to stay down in your chair. In a service. Whenever it goes from here to here. And the Spirit of God moves when the minister says the Spirit of God moves and makes it real to your own heart and just man, it makes you feel like a bottle rocket just about to take off. <laughs> it's a part of me. It's not just something that I read and had a mental ascent that that's right. It's literally with the, the arms of faith in my heart I'm latched on and I'm not letting go. In my heart, I'm latched on to Calvary. In my heart, I'm clinging to the old rugged cross and everything that comes with it. And it's as we see those things that we begin to see the great and mighty things. We're going to rule and reign with Him. And we didn't do anything to get it. That's right. That's right. We're going to be like him. We're going to be just like him. The perfect lamb that was slain. That one without spot or wrinkle. That's what we're going to be like.
Because he's faithful to his covenant. I'm going to sing this song. I heard this song sang by Joseph and Rachel. I fell in love with it. I think it just fits so perfectly. The faithfulness of God. He remembers his covenant. And it was always the covenant of grace. He remembers it. I find no hope within to call my own. For I am frail of heart, my strength is gone. But deep within my soul is rising up a song. Here in the comfort of the faithful one, I walk a narrow In search of higher ground on mountain steep, and though with feet unsure, I still keep pressing on, for I am guided by the faithful one.
should forever you have been The new covenant is what I need more than anything. Mm -hmm. My greatest problem is not finances. My greatest problem is sin. And the only thing that addresses that is Calvary. Sin is man's greatest problem. Sin. Without sin, we wouldn't even have financial problems if sin was never in the world. We get so focused on things that aren't our greatest problem. And we say, well, this is it. This is what, your greatest problem is sin. And the covenant answered it. And no matter the different situations and circumstances, the one thing that I always find to be Tanner's problem is sin. That I don't trust him. I don't depend upon him. My faith really isn't in fully in Calvary. See, it all goes back to sin. Sin. Sin is our problem. Why don't we get along with our fellow man? Sin is the problem. Why do we have 50,000 denominations? Sin is the problem. It, it's No matter what, that's always going to be the problem. And whatever trial, situation, circumstance that God allows to come into my life to squeeze me is to reveal sin <laughs> that he wants to deal with and he wants to give me victory over. Lack of trust is still sin. I mean, we, we, we come up with all these different things because we really don't want to say it's sin. But that's it. If, I, if my faith is in something other than the cross, it's sin. Yes. Mm -hmm. If I'm depending on something else, it's sin. Unbelief is sin. But we, we just don't, we don't really call it for what it really is. Which is why we never have the answer for it. Because it's really sin. So all these days, I seen a commercial the other day for something that said that based on my alcohol and said, oh, it's on my addiction, I'm sorry. Addiction is a disease, but it's a sin. It's, sin. Yeah. it's because of sin. So just, yeah. why, why 
can't we really fully get people, you know, we do good for a little bit and then kind of go back. Because it's never really victory because it's not, you haven't addressed the real problem. We just address the addiction, but not the sin. The addiction is just a symptom yeah. of the real problem, sin. Mm -hmm. I, I got a chance to meet some people that were in AA while I was in Baton Rouge. Played volleyball with them. And I, I enjoyed, I loved playing volleyball with them. My parents actually met. They were in AA, though. We had a conversation one time, and, and they said, you know, why well, I haven't drank in such and such amount of time. I've been sober for such and such amount of time. So, and all the things, but they spend like five hours in the gym every day. I said, well, you didn't really get victory. You just, you just replaced one addiction with another. One that we consider healthy. So we took alcohol, which we consider unhealthy, and then you replaced it with working out, which we say is healthy. So it's a good addiction. But yet you spend five hours in the gym so that way you don't. Or we just stay busy so we don't... Yeah, right. I was like, well, you didn't really get victory, though. You just... And he said, well, I never really thought about it that way. I guess you might be right. You just replace a bad habit, basically, with a good habit. We say, oh, well, then you don't... Well, praise God, you got victory. <laughs> Not victory. It's just... But you see, you're still consumed with something other than Christ, which still means it's sin. See that if if sin becomes the real the focus, I said focus on in this, then you begin to see that oh that's a, if Christ isn't the focus, it's sin. So therefore, even if you work out all the time, Christ is still not the focus. So we still it's still sin. It's just a different it's just a different symptom. So as long as we don't see bad symptoms, we're okay. It's kind of the idea. As long as we want to see bad symptoms, we're okay. But the, the ones that we consider as human beings to be good, oh, well, then that's okay. Well, we're still missing it, though. Because sin is always, sin is the problem. Uh, verse 15, For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. John's greatness would come because of his introduction of Christ. See, everything, everything's tied to it. John is considered the greatest prophet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because why? Because he introduced the Messiah. That's, right. That's why he's the greatest. Why is John? Isaiah got a whole book. Jeremiah, I mean, you look at the prophets of old, Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, Jeremiah, I mean, we could go through the list. And, and Jesus said that John the Baptist is the greatest. And John wasn't even a people person. <laughs> He's the greatest. That's what he said. That, that John is the greatest. If you look at if you look at miracles, John's not the greatest. In my, I mean, Elijah, Elisha. You look at all these different things, but what made John the greatest? John saw the Messiah. All of the others only foretold. They only saw it in pictures. John's the only one that said, Behold, 
the Lamb of God. Hey, that's Him. And that's what made John the greatest. Because he literally ushered in the Messiah. So even John's greatness is attached to Christ. Everything goes back to Christ. The, the promise to Abraham and Sarah goes back to Christ. The answered prayer for Elizabeth and Zacharias goes back to Christ. All the other prophets only saw the Messiah at a distance. John would personally introduce him. John's greatness was tied to his association with Jesus and not himself. John's greatness had nothing to do with his ministry per se. Yeah. The fact that he introduced the Messiah. That's right. John was a Nazarite. Nazarites had to abstain from intoxicating drinks in order that no spirit would control him other than that of Jehovah. As well, he was not to cut his hair during the time of consecration which, in the case of John the Baptist, was his entire life. Long hair on a man denoted weakness, and in essence was meant to say that God was his strength. Start to bring the picture from Samson, give you a better view about Samson now. Don't cut your hair. Why? Because long hair on a man was a sign of weakness, which symbolized that God was his strength. The Samson's strength was never his hair. John has long hair to denote weakness because his strength is God. Samson, long hair to, that denotes weakness because his strength is God. That's why when Samson at the end with no hair cries out and says, Lord, basically, do it again one more time. He finds the strength of God because he is depending on the right thing. Mm -hmm. So you see, you kind of see the it just denoted weakness. In, in essence, saying that God is my strength. Chapter six of Numbers provides the most detailed account of the Nazarites, so you would be able to find a lot more a, de a detailed account of everything that they would have had to to do. Or, Alright, now the next part says, And he shall be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. So we're still in verse 15. This has no reference to the Acts chapter 2, verse 4 experience of baptism with the Holy Spirit. Because that didn't happen until after Calvary and after the ascension of Christ. So it's not that, it isn't that. Field, the word field means to furnish or supply. So he shall be furnished or supplied with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Due to John's significant task of proclaiming the, mes the message of repentance to Israel and the introduction of the Messiah, there was an unusual help given by the Holy Spirit from birth to John, which had never been afforded to another. No other person ever introduced Christ. So John had 
He had a special help of the Holy Spirit. That's right. For his ministry. But it didn't mean that he was filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It just meant that the Holy Spirit, even in his mother's womb, even from his mother's womb, would be with him, leading him, guiding him, helping him, teaching him, because of his special his special calling, basically. After all, he introduced the Messiah. He was the greatest prophet. That's right. You kind of think of when Mary went to see Elizabeth and the baby yeah. left him. Yeah. 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 Right. John the that that was the Christ. Yeah, that, that was the Christ. Yeah. That's what the... Yeah. Right then. So there was always... He's jumping for joy. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Alright, that's it. We congratulations, we've got through one second. Next uh, next next class, it'll be the ministry of John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ. So we'll get to see more about John's ministry. You mentioned God's timing and seeking his face. His timing is involved in everything. We will never be able to figure it out. They really don't need to. No, we really don't. It's always going to be that way. Yeah. I mean, if you look, if God would have answered Elizabeth and Zechariah's prayer, see, there's a lot of things that have to come into place for it. To, Mary has right. to be yeah. around. Right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Because the timing in Mary's life has to be right. Uh-huh. For God to answer Elizabeth and Zachariah's prayer. Because okay. John has to be born. John's gonna they gotta be born around the same time because John's gonna say, Behold, the Lamb of God. So if they answer if he answers and John's born long before Christ ever comes, well that just ain't gonna work. <laughs> so the timing of God. He, he knew he was going to answer that prayer. He knew sure. they were going to have a child. But the timing had to be right. Yeah. Or else, after all, it's all about the redemption plan. That's what he's working. That's, what, that's, that's really what he's working. And a lot of times when we don't see God working in our hearts and lives, or in our lives, most of the time in our lives, <laughs> when, we, when we want it, is because it's not in our time. That's the time that we want. But God has a perfect timing. And the idea through it all is sanctification. Not, not, God can provide for us. But if he provides for us and we never grow into the image of Christ, well, yeah. what good is that? That's right. That's what he's, he's, he's more interested in that yes. than he is I've said it before, and it's kind of a, I mean, I don't necessarily get happy to say it because it doesn't sound very good, but I believe it 100% to be the truth. God's not interested in your comfort no. as much as he is your growth That's right. in Christ. So if that means that in order for you to grow spiritually, in order for you to be uh, con- 
conformed more into the image of Christ, he has to put you in an uncomfortable position. Get ready, he will. Mm -hmm. And it's because he loves you. Right. A lot of times I hear the gospel preached, and my dad can probably attest to this as well, that especially with uh, new believers, we love to tell them all the good stuff. And we don't want to tell them anything bad because we might, we're afraid. Truthfully, if we really were honest with ourselves, well, we don't want to tell them that, you know, it's trials because they might never say yes. <laughs> Scare them off. Scare them off before I'm going to jump. <laughs> and of course, you don't, you know, the idea is balance. You don't go just tell them all the bad. Correct. Like, well, you're going to be, you're going to go through some hard times and, you know, being a Christian is hard. Well, if, if, okay, whoa. Well, <laughs> first of all, we have, we have the new covenant. We've got joy unspeakable, full of glory, but there is still a balance. If we just say, oh, it's just, we're just going to be tiptoeing through the dandelion fields. Mm -hmm. We just all gonna be holding hands and skipping along the flower fields until Jesus comes. The idea is we be conformed to the image of Christ, which means you're not gonna get everything you want. True. Everything you think you need, everything you think God said He's gonna do, it might just be you. He's He's interested. He's not interested in your kingdom. He's interested in His. What are we interested in? Our kingdom? Building our kingdoms? Or his? <laughs> his kingdom. Right. That's the only one that's going to matter. That's it. He paid the price. We didn't. We, 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 we are bought with it. We don't belong to ourselves. That's right. We don't get to just... I, and I say, I'm not, I, I, I'm in the front of the line. That I, sometimes it's more about my kingdom. I should be this. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. I should be here. I should be there. I don't want to stop doing this. I want, I should be used in this way. I should be used here. How come the pastor doesn't recognize me here? because <laughs> it's more about us it's more about our kingdom it's more about who sees me who recognizes me who sees how great I am and it's really not about the kingdom of God even though we say oh, I just want to serve it's really just about us we got to wake up. We've got to mature. We've got to grow up. Whose kingdom is it really about? Yes. And that's how you, you, you can pretty much, I, I believe that you can tell by what somebody is seeking. Are you seeking his face or his hand? If you're seeking his hand, it might just be more about your kingdom than what God can do for you. 
Did you sink in his face, though? You just want him. You want his kingdom. I, I am. Maybe this is what we needed tonight. I don't know. Well, good for me. I, I get sidetracked on things that I, I look. I do need a job, <laughs> of course. But if that's the only thing, every time I get together and talk to the Lord, if that's the only thing I talk about, right. that's the only thing I'm focused on, and I can say, well, no, I, I, I you know, I still thank you for the cross, dude. If it consumes you, if you spend more of your time talking about that than you do. might just be about your kingdom. And for all of us, nobody's better than the other. I mean, we all are the same. We're all the same boat. We all got flesh. We all got self. Not my will. Exactly. Not my will, but your will be done. Look, I got plenty of things that I I was telling Sarah the other day. My dream job would be to be a ranch hand <laughs> because I want to learn about it so bad. I want to learn about it so bad. I'm t- Man, I'm scared of horses. I'm scared of animals. I'm scared of all animals that are bigger than me. But my dream, my dream job would be to, uh, to be a ranch hand because I want to know. I want to be a ride horse. I want to be a cowboy. Let's man. be a cowboy. <laughs> Let's get to it. He just wants to be a cowboy. I want to be a There's things that that I want. That's work. That's work. Okay. I'll talk to my son. There's, <laughs> yeah, please don't. Please don't. Uh, there are things. My husband to the farm. There are things that I I want I, that I would like, and I I, I just be honest. <laughs> that I would like, but it doesn't mean it's the Lord. Right. That's right. Not everything in my heart is from God. Right. Surprise, surprise, surprise. <laughs> What's it going to be? My will or His will? Even if, even if His will places me somewhere I don't want to be. Right. Like what Brother Bob was talking about. Those prisons. Mm-hmm. Will. A place I don't necessarily want to be. But Lord, if it be your will, not my will, but your will be done. And are we willing to, to really trust Him? It's one thing to just say it. It's another thing to say, alright Lord, you can put me in the lines then. Trust you. All right, Lord, in the fire. Trust you. Even when we see it coming. Not one that surprises you. One that the Lord leads you to. All right, Lord, I trust you. And really trust him. Whenever, because your eyes are not going to, and your, your thoughts won't. If I was in Bible college, in my eye, what I could see, feel, and hear Told me that I'll never be used by the Lord and I just rank and everything. That's why I can see, feel, and hear. 
because I felt like I was in a place where I wasn't going to new anywhere. Not, not being used in ministry, nothing. Lord, I trust you. I'm going to stay right here. Lord, I feel like I don't have a career. I'm just going to trust you, Lord. Do we really, do we really trust him? And do we really seek his face or are we seeking his hand? 